This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. The art of paying attention to the present moment with an attitude of openness and curiosity. And we anchor ourselves to the present moment by connecting to our breath, the sensations in the body, watching the mind, or noticing and experiencing the environment around us. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss the natural treatment of sexual dysfunction. We're also going to learn how mindfulness can help you train your brain. Then we're going to hear the best recipes for summer entertaining. And lastly, we're going to talk about medical marijuana and the aging population. But first, a bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their products. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both the consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, please visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team, headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back to the show, Gordon. Thanks for having me again, Jimmy. Today we're going to talk about something I know nothing about. <laughs> sexual dysfunction. <laughs> We won't admit that. No, it's a good thing I'm not connected to a lie detector because truthfully, everybody suffers from this from time to time. And you're here to discuss it. So what are the causes? Well, there's many reasons why we have problems with sexual dysfunction in men and in women. For men, sometimes it can be microcirculation issues. So sometimes if you are on medication for, say, diabetes, right, or even drug-related, or I should say medication-related, right, sometimes it could be the fact that we're just worn out and tired, right? For women, sometimes it's just that you're tired, you need a good night's rest. Sometimes a good night's rest is sufficient to get you bouncing back and happy. In women especially, sexual dysfunction is it's a matter of what's happening in the brain. Yes. Right? Men, not so much, but women, definitely. But stress it, can impact, right? I mean, if you're feeling stress stressed. Stress is huge in that, right? So that you have all of these things that can compound. And I wish in the natural world there's a magic bullet. I mean, you hear about a lot of different herbal products that people have used, etc. And they, and somebody, some people expect, you know, you're going to take a sip of this, or you're going to take one tablet of that, and Bob's your uncle, you're off to the races. Yeah. It's not that simple. I wish it was that simple, but it's not. Right? And, so, and not everybody can take those magic pills. Which, that's right. Right? Now, it's not for everybody. Yeah. 
right? Not for everybody. Now, one of the things I will say, you know, because you have to use a holistic approach in dealing with this problem. And a lot of people want to compartmentalize it, right? Something as simple as increasing your testosterone levels, right, have been shown to increase libido in men and in women. Yes. Now, there are different herbs that will increase testosterone levels. Sometimes as simple as I say to people, fighting the effects of stress will help you, especially for women and even for men. There are a lot of different herbs that people have used for fighting the effects of stress. So things like ginseng, for example, right, North American ginseng. There are things like Siberian ginseng, otherwise known as Elythral Caucus Centricosis, and a whole bunch of different herbs that will be helpful. So good night's sleep. Yeah, I was just going to go there. I I mean, you know, if we're feeling well-rested, that can make a world of difference. Yeah, a good night's sleep is very helpful. And sometimes one or two good night's sleep, you recharge your batteries, and things that didn't seem to work before all of a sudden start to work, right? Now, those are the what I call the ebbs and flows of life that causes sometimes sexual dysfunction. But sometimes you have people who are, for example, as you get older, some of us may have diabetes, right? right? And one of the biggest problems with diabetes, everybody thinks of diabetes as just sugar control, but there's a lot of sequelae to diabetes, right? In that what you have is microvascular damage. So when you have microvascular damage, so what happens is that you get damage to the blood vessels that feed in men into the penis area, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Into the genitals and also in women. And if that happens, you don't get blood flow in there. So again, you have erectile dysfunction. So there are certain herbs that people can take which will actually help widen or dilate some of these blood vessels, right? So things like ginkgo biloba also works for that, right? There's a certain amount of different compounds that will help uh, because a lot of these herbs work by producing something called nitrous oxide, which will help dilate the blood vessels. These are you talking are, about natural poppers there? Yeah, I, I wouldn't like... I, yeah, but remember I talked about pharmacological doses last week? Yeah. It's the same issue. you got to have enough. So people think, well, you know, I can only... I take one pill. One pill has, say, 50 milligrams, 60 milligrams of this, and that's sufficient. Sometimes it is not. Sometimes you need to take more. The nice thing about most natural products that are available for sale on the market, yes. they are very safe. Of course. It's very difficult to overdose on any natural product on there. Like anything else, you can overdose, definitely. Like even water, people can overdose on water. Right? That's true. I, I mean, there are contraindications for yeah. some products. Whether you're taking natural products, whether you're taking medications, you should be consulting with a yeah. medical practitioner to make sure that what you're taking isn't working against something else that you might be taking for an entirely different ailment. That's right. And sometimes the, the safety margins, though, on um, natural products are a lot higher than the safety margins on, say, uh, pharmaceutical products, right? And the key here is safety margins. Right. All right. So as far as I know, there hasn't been anybody overdosing on one dose of natural product because you you physically cannot consume enough for that to happen. It's long-term use over time. If there's going to be a problem, you'll see issues. And then you have to react to your warnings that you see. And a company like yours would have an education department. If somebody had questions about whether or not they should be taking, you know, natural supplement, this or that, they could always contact. That's right. We have a 1-800 number on the bottom of our bottles where anybody who buys any of our product can call that 1-800 number. If they have certain questions or questions, we can probably answer them. We can't advise on medical problems, but if it's associated with our product, if the information is out there, we will certainly give that out. Of course. I'd be more than happy to. But getting back to libido issues, right? Right, yep. 
on a more holistic approach. Again, you know, something as simple as getting enough vitamins into your system, right. you know, your B vitamins. It's wonderful. You've got to take some of those because, again, it powers the biochemical systems that are in your body. B vitamins, they're used in so many different biochemical reactions in the body that if you don't get enough in your food and as you get older, as again, we don't eat as well, we probably don't consume as much of these B vitamins, right? So that you definitely need to take more of those, right? Antioxidants, again, we need to take more of those. I don't want to make it sound as if I'm a poster child for supplementation, but one of the things I do realize is that as we get older, we don't get as much as we should be getting. Right. right? We don't eat the same quantities, the same variety. So it is not a bad thing to supplement. Something as simple as taking more fish oil, you know, those things all help. It's not a one magic bullet. Well, I, I know that I know your approach is, you know, in addition to supplementation, which I know you advocate for, you're also talking about healthy lifestyle, about getting right. sleep, about getting exercise. You know, speaking personally, you know, when I exercise, obviously I'm, I'm making my body fitter, but also I feel better about myself. And when you feel better about yourself, you're also going to feel like you may want to share your good feelings with somebody else. That uh, is correct. It's all about balance. For sure. Lifestyle and balance. And as you said, you know, if you feel better about yourself, right, the libido issues may decrease, right? Meaning that you will be in a, in a better frame of mind, et cetera, et cetera, for it to happen. Exactly. Uh, you know, it is not one size fit all. And I know a lot of people, when they talk about libido, they just want, give me the pill, give me one thing to sort it out. I don't want to hear about exercise. I don't want to hear about a good night's sleep. I don't want to hear about de-stressing, right? Right. As again, I go back to the certain herbs that we call them adaptogenic herbs. And they also have the reputation of helping with libido issues, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason for that it works like that is because when you take these herbs, one of the things that they do, it helps you get a better night's sleep. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And if you get a better night's sleep, you wake up the next day feeling a lot more refreshed. Right? Yes. There are certain herbs we know that will just help you sleep better. Things like valerian will help you sleep better at night because there are a lot of people I know that their brain doesn't shut off. It, they toss and they turn and it, their brain doesn't shut off. And I am one of those. doesn't shut off, they can't sleep. And even when they fall asleep, they don't get a deep sleep, right? Right. So they wake up feeling tired, right? So there are certain herbs that will help for that. So even things like kava kava, for example, will help for that. One of the things I, I wanted to address, and it pertains to our listeners, is, you know, as you get older, you just don't have the same energy or sexual energy that you had when you're younger. What would you suggest for older listeners regarding dealing with their libido naturally? Well, I would suggest they take the different herbs to take because one of the things, as I said, with some of these herbs, it gives you more energy. For example, ginseng is one of those wonderful herbs that we know that will help you sleep better at night. Mm -hmm. Right? Just don't take it at bedtime. You take it in the morning. Why don't you take it at night? Because one of the things that it does is it's stimulative, right? Ah. It stimulates your system. It doesn't work like caffeine, but it, it does make you feel more energetic. Gotcha. But if you take it in the morning, you feel more energetic. But one of the things that we know about ginseng is that it helps you sleep better at night. That's well documented, right? It increases the endurance. So if it gives you more useful energy and you have endurance, you go exercise. If you go exercise, you sleep better at night, right? Yep. And a lot of things boils back down to sleep, right? Yes. And again, you know, eat a well-balanced meal get a lot of um, antioxidants into your system, all those things help with libidos, right? Mm -hmm. And 
for I, I would say for some of the women out there, yes. you know, do something that makes you feel good because there's that huge mind-body connection that that we rarely talk about, right? And that's huge, right? Especially for the women because if the women feel better about themselves, their libido is automatically better. So there's many different things. There's the mental health component too, right? If people are depressed, libido is down. Again, if you do something to feel better, and again, exercise is one of those things that really, really helps. I mean, for longevity, exercise is king. Exercise is key. You know, there's a lot, I mean, if you exercise, and you don't have to have the, the kind of exercise where you, uh, you know, you get your heart rate up to 140. No, it could be a walk, right? Yeah. Low impact exercise is big, especially as we grow older, because as we grow older, you know, getting your heart rate up to 140 plus and sustaining it is very, very difficult, right? But what there's numerous studies to show that low impact exercise is very beneficial, right? So even a walk, as you said, low impact, meaning you're not, you're not getting your heart rate up there. But as you get older, those low-impact exercises keep you healthy. Just the fact that you're moving, that keeps you healthy. We only have a few minutes left in the interview, and, and you touched on something earlier in the interview that I think we should double back on, and that is testosterone is not just for men, it's also for, for women. So I know there are some herbs that can help us balance our hormones and help with testosterone. Can you tell the listeners what those are? Okay. And, 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 and what they can do? For, for men and women, there's a few herbs that we know that have been shown to increase testosterone production. But what I will also say, testosterone production is very tightly controlled by the body. So you can only increase it to a certain amount. You may increase it to the upper side of normal, right? You can't go create, it will not make push it over the edge where you have what I call steroid rage right. or, or testosterone rages, okay? Yes. No, that will not happen with a natural product. So some of these herbs, two of them spring right to my mind. Yep. Cribulus terrestris. Yes. Right? And also Epimedium sagittatum, a.k.a. also known as horny goat weed. My favorite name of right. all time. <laughs> right. And for women, it's a lot of hormonal issues you have to look at also. So, right. you know, things like the Dong Kwai is also very good for women. Black cohosh root is also very good for women. Chase tree berry is also good for women. Right. So it's a way of balancing everything. Right. And again, you look at things in the gut because I always say, you know, one of the things is that if the gut is functioning well, right, everything stems from the gut. You know, you, you will have a much better outlook if, if you can eat well, etc. So even and, things like probiotics will, will help, not directly, but indirectly. Sure, because, you know, if you're not having stomach aches, if you're able to digest your food yeah. and get all the benefits of the, the minerals and the, mm -hmm. and the vitamins, obviously your health is going to improve. For sure. You know, and as I always say, it is not a single component solution. It's a multi-component solution that people have to look at. You know, and my my suggestion for people: if you don't want to have to take any supplements or anything like that, right? Start off easy. Start off simple. Just go for a walk. Right? Get some exercise into you. Right? And then the supplements will definitely help. But you know, it depends on how far some people want to go and do. Well, thank you for coming in today. We've got a new name for you, Dr. Gordon Chang, the holistic sexual dysfunction guru. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hear back from you next month, but we've got to take a short break and we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. 
The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Are you recently retired? Do you own your own home? Are you looking for funds to pursue a passion project, to renovate your home, or finally to go on that European vacation? A loan from Home Equity Bank can help. A chip reverse mortgage is a tax-free lifetime loan for up to 55% of a home's value. Available to Canadians age 55 or older who own their home with a minimum property value of $150,000. Funds from a reverse mortgage can be taken out in a lump sum, schedule payments or both. And remember, a homeowner who takes out a chip reverse mortgage will never owe more than the fair market value of their home. Check out homeequitybank.ca for more information. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sograti. She has post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She leads classes and teaches other yogis how to teach yin yoga. Welcome back to the tonic there, my friend. Hi, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here, especially because we're, we're discussing one of my favorite topics today. Yeah, going forward, we've been talking a lot. You know, we've been seeing each other a lot at yeah. OMCO and, you know, the work yeah. that you're doing for the magazine. And you've been letting me know what's going on with you. And Absolutely. I've been letting you know what's going on here. And we decided that it was time that we came up with a permanent presence for you on the show. So we're going to be doing mindfulness discussions, which is, you know, really interesting for me mm-hmm. because... Because mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about it, but it speaks to a lot of my personal flaws. <laughs> so the reason I'm having you here is because it's cheaper to go pay for, pay for the counseling. And I'm learning about myself and hopefully the rest of the listeners will learn along too. But I actually, I think it has like tremendous value for everybody, truthfully. Yeah, absolutely. I love you. I love you. They're, don't think of them as flaws, Jamie. Think of them as opportunities and challenges. True. And it also gives us a chance to hang out every month, right? Absolutely. And we enjoy each other's company. Yeah, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, you're one of my faves. So we're going to start out by getting into sort of, we, we've covered mindfulness in different ways on the show, but let's pretend we didn't for the yeah. purpose of this show. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to start at the beginning. Yeah, ground zero. Ground zero. And we're going to keep harkening back to this. You know, for the next year, we're going to remind people if they don't know what we're talking about, we're going to take them back to this very episode. Fantastic. Fantastic. So this is Brain Training 101. That's right. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. Mindfulness. What is it and why should I care? Okay, so the best definition is that it is the art of paying attention to the present moment with an attitude of openness and curiosity. And we anchor ourselves to the present moment by connecting to our breath, the sensations in the body, watching the mind, or noticing and experiencing the environment around us. The answer to why you should care is because for most people, you know, most of humanity, no matter where you're from or what you're doing with your life, you are oscillating like a ping pong ball in your mind 
between events in the past, and and often this is called rumination. So you're going over past conversations and social interactions and business deals, and you're repeating them. They're on replay over and over and over and over and over. And you're reimagining how you could have done things. Or that ping pong ball is jumping to the future and you are jumping down the rabbit hole of anxious fantasy. So you are- I enjoy good anxious <laughs> fantasy, actually. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone enjoys them as no. much as you. True. As much as you. I'm an odd duck. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love you. Yeah. So the curious thing about this oscillation, and I think, you know, this is why we should care about mindfulness and why it's so important to us, is that your brain does not know the difference between something actually happening outside of you, like in real time, versus what's going on inside your head. So when you're when you're taking up your brain space through rumination of the past and you're reliving something over and over and over. Your body is responding in exactly the same way it would as if that event was happening outside of you. I, I read this book recently, and I uh-huh. don't read a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Naomi, brought it home for the library for me because she thought it would be perfect for me. Yeah. And the theory of the book is that our minds are fools, yeah. and, and we actually think that we are experiencing the world, but we have a very narrow focus because our brain... Uh, was designed to be fight or flight, you know, like our survival depended yeah, yeah. depended on our ability to take in a very narrow range of criteria, yeah. which allowed us to survive. Absolutely. But, you know, in our modern day, where, you know, most of us don't live in fight or flight, or we shouldn't. Yeah. Therefore, we don't have a brain that necessarily meshes with what our needs are in terms of living in the current world around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that we teach in yoga is that the brain is a tool. Right. Okay. So think of a think of a saw. You know, when you turn the saw on, it saws and saws and saws and it's great at sawing. So the brain is the same. It's got these patterns that are set up and it's very effective at those patterns and it can think and think and think and think. However, if you don't learn how to train the brain, which is entirely possible and mindfulness is one of the ways to do it, then it just just jumps into its own patterns, which are, you know, often actually obsolete. You know, you talk about the nervous system, specifically fight or flight. Right. And I think you can expand that and call it the fight flight freeze because sometimes we completely freeze and we're unable to act or play dead which is kind of like dissociation right so if you look at that response you know it it did help us survive when when something was externally attacking us however if we're in a modern day situation where there's no external attack and yet we're replaying something in our mind and we're perceiving it as threatening whether it's past oriented or future oriented the body is actually acting as if we're being threatened right so you're pure Pupils dilate, yep. right? And and for example, you know, if you're a person who goes out in the sun and you constantly tear up and you have to wear glasses, you know, it can be a sign that your your sympathetic nervous system is hyper aroused, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If you have to pee all the time, frequent urination, again, same thing. If you have poor digestion, one of the things that can be attributed to is the fact that all of your blood is being shunted away from your digestive organs yep. into your 
external tissues so that you can run or flee or fight. You know, so it doesn't matter how much healthy food you're eating. You can eat all the kale, like you can drink kale yeah. all day long. I'm not going to do that, but I, did, <laughs> but, I, but I did have kale for dinner last night. Right? I didn't drink it, but I ate it. But okay. you ate it. Yeah. However, if your sympathetic nervous system is jacked and you're in this yeah. state of hyperarousal, you're not going to be able to digest it because the blood is being shunted away from those organs. And so to kind of short circuit that, we have to train the brain to orient to the present moment. Right. And, and obviously the reason because of that is, is because if you are constantly putting physical stress on your body through your digestive tract, yeah. through your you know visceral reactions, you yeah. know, like muscle tics or spasms yeah. Yeah. Or, or lack of sleep or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That, that's insomnia called, is the other big correct. one. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's when I do my quote unquote best thinking. Right? Yes, like it's of in, course. It's, it's in the dead of night <laughs> when, when you just kind of relive all the things that you want to fix. Right? Absolutely. It can be debilitating. It's completely debilitating. I mean, if you look at insomnia itself, there was I, there was this great study, and I just know this because my, my husband is a sleep specialist. And so they did this great study, which is probably slightly unethical, where they deprived some college students of sleep. And I think it was at around 48 hours that they noticed that psychotic symptoms developed. Right. Right. So the, the amount of stress that is placed on the body from lack of sleep and just from chronic inflammation and pain and poor digestion yep. is, you know, it's going to shorten your life. All right. So, so why is staying in the moment being present so important? Okay. So uh, there's so many reasons for it, but I would say the number one reason why it's so important is because it breaks up our ability or sabotages the tendency to go into our own personal stories. Now, what do you mean by personal stories? So what I mean by that is uh, say you're in a social situation mm-hmm. and you're tracking, maybe unconsciously, you're tracking the way someone's talking to you, the tone of voice that they're using, yep. the words, their body language towards you. And you're you know, being hypervigilant and tracking that and you're concocting or creating this huge story in your head about what all of those things mean about you. Right. Okay? So you're creating some story and then you are physically reacting internally. So your body is neurochemically reacting to that story that you've created in your head, which is, you know, for the most part, going back to this book that you read that your wife got you, yeah. for the most part, it's complete fiction. It's not even true. You know, most of the time we're creating these irrational stories about events that are happening in our, in our environment. There's not one iota of them are true, but we are firmly fixed in the belief that we are right. Oh, exactly. Right? That we are right and that this is exactly what's happening. And uh, to be honest, I think it's hilarious because we go through, you know, we go through these interpersonal relationships and we're so convinced that we know what the other person is thinking and what they think about us and that our perception of the situation is the correct perception of the situation. The reason our brain does that is because the way we process experience is to catalog it in terms of a history, right? Absolutely. So, so you're, you're cataloging the past events. So if somebody's reaction to your snide comment or your joke is going to be X. Well, you expect it to be X going forward because that's all your brain knows. Absolutely. That's called transference, my friend. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to transference. (laughs) So these stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. It's all part of the fight or flight mechanism, right? It's a way to ground our realities, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's part of we're taking information in. And just going back to what you just said, we understand the world through the lens of our own experience, right? right? So we only see the world in that way. And so whatever's wired together in our brain fires together. So there's an input of the experience. It's processed through our history. Right. And then there's an output. So that's part of the reason that we do it. But it's just not useful and it's not productive. Well, some of 
the things we do, like you, we, were, we were discussing, there's projection, right? Yeah. So what, yeah. what's projection? So projection is essentially when we have potentially some unresolved feelings or attitudes inside of us that when we encounter another person, we will then project those things out onto that other person. So one really common example that I use with students or in my classes when I'm trying to describe this, because it's just, it happens so frequently, is that say you don't like someone, you know, for whatever reason, they trigger you. Oh, I usually have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you're around that person. You start interpreting their behavior as offensive Correct. or as them slighting you. Right. And then so you then project out that they don't like you. Right. When really the issue is that you don't like them. Yeah. That usually right? is the issue. Yeah. That is the issue. That is the issue. And so projection can, I mean, there's so many ways that it can happen, That, but that's one of the ways. Another way that projection can happen is if we feel insecure or we feel like we're not good enough in a situation, that feeling is projected out so that we think that somebody else is telling us that we're not good enough or that, you know, there's something wrong with us when really the feeling comes from inside. And we mentioned this briefly before, but what is what is transference? What's that phenomenon? So transference is transferring feelings or ideas or beliefs that you've set up around an earlier relationship to someone else. So say you have, you know, an early interaction with a friend and they respond to you in X way, you know, and maybe it offended you or maybe it made you question yourself. And then you encounter someone else in the future who's just like that friend. Then you would transfer your belief system about that old person onto this new person that you met. It's almost like the brain internal prejudice, right? Because Totally. That's because exactly what it's like. Your, your brain is making assumptions yeah. based on the criteria that it knows, which is previous experience. Absolutely. And if you have a particularly good memory, it becomes particularly troublesome because yeah. you can remember the details, or at least yeah. you think you can. Yeah. And, and part of the other problem is the way the brain works is it doesn't necessarily take in the criteria correctly, and memories are quite often false. Absolutely. It's not necessarily rational, right? And this is why we have to go back to this idea of training the brain and learning to train the brain right. because it is a tool and it can it can be so helpful. Like you were talking about memory a moment ago. So, you know, memory can be the best asset to your business, to your life. Yep. However, if you don't train yourself to use it wisely, then it can be it can be your curse as well because you're replaying things over and over and just activating your nervous system in a very unproductive way. What else? can we do to like what what are some ideas that we can sort of get beyond you know these mistakes that the brains are our brains are just making okay so you know i think the the most important thing for me to say at this point is to really learn to focus on the present moment starting with the breath Okay, And the reason I say this is because uh, the mind is both a parallel and a serial processor. I think this is important to know, but it can only process things in parallel uh, when it's doing it automatically, right? So all of the things that you've learned to do and that you can switch into autopilot and do, it can do those things in parallel. However, it can only do things consciously yes. through serial processing or one thing at a time. So if you can learn to focus on something like your breath, then it completely takes over the consciousness of your brain and it will short circuit you diving down a rabbit hole of your own anxious fantasy or into your rumination. And you connect to your breath just by noticing it. You don't try to change it. You don't try to make it bigger. You don't try to modify it in any way. You just connect to your breath and watch what's happening. And that will 
automatically skyrocket you into the present moment so that your nervous system can be pacified. Well, that sounds great. And that's a a really good place to start. And what what I hope to do over the coming year is discuss the many different ways in which, you know, our brains aren't working right. Absolutely. And apply it, apply this philosophy, this Mm -hmm. sort of mindset of being mindful to help people actually take a step back and work within themselves to try and fix those issues. Yeah, absolutely. People most often need practical tools that they can use immediately in the real life situations. Great. Well, thank you for coming in today. My pleasure, Jamie. When you come back next month, uh, we're going to discuss the mindful way of loving your body. Yeah. 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 We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to discuss summer entertaining on the tonic. And now the soul segment with spiritual medium, transpersonal therapist and teacher, Lisa Marvin. Through her use of tarot cards, your questions about love, money, and career are sure to be answered. Thank you for joining me for Soul Segment. This week, we'll be looking at how money is shaping your month and what you can do to get to where you want to be using the tarot cards. The first card we're going to look at is the Page of Swords. This position is what has brought you to where you are now. Pages bring messages, and swords deal with inspiration. This is telling us that, subconsciously, you may have had some new inspirations on new ways you might want to spend your money. These new ideas are things that you should definitely tap into. What you need to focus on now is the King of Swords. Kings deal with success, and they also take major action. So, with this newfound inspiration that you've had, it's time for you to go after it and take action in a major way. This is not a time to be cautious or to be fearful. Once you do take action, you are certain to be successful because your last card is the Two of Wands. In our numerology, twos deal with making a connection and wands deal with the self and creativity. What it's saying is that once you take the major action, you'll have a newfound connection within yourself and perhaps with someone else. Good luck. Thank you so much for joining us and looking forward to connecting with you again next week. This has been The Soul Segment with Lisa Marvin. To contact Lisa with your questions, please visit metaphysique.ca. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power vegan protein or visit Purica.com. Purica, nature, science, you. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. 
You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. In addition to being a lawyer and a mother of three, my next guest is an immensely popular cookbook reviewer for Tonic Magazine, my wife, Naomi. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. So we like to cook and have people over because let's face it, we're really good cooks and we like to show off. (laughs) (laughs) The royal we? (laughs) The royal we, yes, exactly. Not me, both of us. But not everybody is comfortable hosting because, you know, you're not just cooking for yourselves. You got to put on a little show sometimes. So we're here today. We're going to talk about summer hosting because that's a little bit different. It's a little more casual and you use the barbecue and you can sort of take things outside. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, so let's start off with the proteins, because I think that's how people build their meals. They decide what they're going to start with. And for a lot of people, particularly if they're grilling or barbecuing, that's going to be meat. Absolutely. It's sort of a connection. People think summer entertaining grill meat. Exactly. So I have a cookbook for you then. It's called Meat. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. The author of the cookbook is Pat LaFrieda, and he is from a family of butchers in New York, and they've been supplying high-end restaurants for many years. In fact, they supply, they currently supply the burgers for the Shake Shack restaurant, if anybody's been there. And anybody who's been to New York loves their Shake Shack burgers. Love the Shake Shack burgers. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because I do love the Shake Shack burgers, and that gave them some instant credibility for me. So if you're interested in meat at all, this book has both recipes and a lot of descriptions, pictures, you know, how to debone certain cuts, how to cook certain cuts. Uh, it, it's very graphic, right? It I mean, it, it shows the entire animal and it shows exactly where the cut is coming from, whether it's from the rear of the animal or the front of the animal and where the fat content is or whether it has a lot of connective tissue, and, and which edifies the cooking style. Mm-hmm. So for summer entertaining, which people tend to want to be easy, you can definitely get away with something like burgers or even um, there's a recipe for a skirt steak, grilled skirt steak with five-minute marinade. But in terms of burgers, beef sliders with sautéed onions and cheese. So your classic burger looks delicious in the picture. Always a fan favorite. Yeah, exactly. So he tells you what kind of meat to use and why and how to cook it. So can't go wrong with sliders. Also, as an alternative, there are chop house turkey provolone burgers. And this, uh, he's included a fennel shallot marmalade and some pickled cucumbers. So if you don't eat red meat, but you still want meat, turkey burgers are a really good lighter option. And they, they hold up on the barbecue, not like they chicken. Do. Chicken sort of, it gets goopy and it's very hard to cook on the grill. I, I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Turkey's much better. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's meat. The next book that I know you want to talk about is it's an ethnic cooking book. It's actually derived from a restaurant that we went to. Is that right? Yes, it's called Zahav. The cookbook and the restaurant are called Zahav. It's a restaurant in Philadelphia, and we went there about ten years ago, maybe right. when it first opened. And we, you know, it was getting rave reviews, and we said, "Wow, this is so good." And then I went there about a year ago, and it was still just as good. I think it was rated the top restaurant in the city. Mm-hmm. And then, because he was so popular, and he's opened up other restaurants, and he put out this cookbook uh, a year or two ago, and it was also extremely popular. And the very approachable recipes, you can pick and choose. So I like, he gives you a lot of recipes for metze, you know, small plates. And, and that when you go to the restaurant, this is very much, it's a Mediterranean, it, it, it's Israeli, but it's sort of, like many restaurants in Toronto now, they're, they're sort of riffing on various cuisines from around the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. 
It's very Mediterranean focused in terms of the flavors. And when I was at the restaurant, I ate fried cauliflower with herbed labna, which is kind of like a thick yogurt, and I loved it. And there's a recipe in the cookbook. Also, crispy halloumi cheese with dates, walnuts, and apples. That's that sweet and savory mix. Halloumi cheese is a cheese that you can fry or barbecue, and it doesn't melt. So it's it's a fun thing to eat, too. So lots of little vegetable dishes, vegetable or cheese or meat dishes that everybody will like. And you can choose how many you want to make. And they're shareable, right? These are dishes yeah. that you can put out uh, you know, with drinks, and people could just sort of dip in as well. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of grilling recipes that I saw in this cookbook. So lots of different kebabs, lamb, chicken, beef, vegetable, you know, ground meat, pieces of meat. So lamb with pistachios, tahina sauce, chicken with an onion marinade, a harissa marinade, grilled mushrooms with fava bean and scallion puree, or even grilled branzino, which is fish with a chickpea stew. All looks delicious, all great for summer entertaining. So definitely check out the cookbook. All right. And the last cookbook takes a different approach to cooking. That one, all the meals, like all the recipes are organized by meal. So if you if you can't wrap your head around planning, this gives you sort of everything you would need to do to do a particular type of meal. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It's called Sunday Suppers by Karen Mordhai. And I have to say, this is somebody who lives in Brooklyn, and she's a food stylist and photographer and runs these dinners called Sunday Suppers and created this cookbook. Very Very hipster. Very hipster. So pictures of picnics by the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's a little cutesy. It's very cutesy. It is, but the recipes are good. You know, it's interesting. So worth checking out, and she gives you whole, you know, whole meals. And so what I liked were the lunch planning recipes, even if you're not picnicking in the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever, like Christini. Oh, you with, going to the Blue Viaduct. Yes, you, you, exactly. you, could, you could bring a picnic. But just to give you an example, so fried green tomato sandwiches with mint mayo. Okay, I don't like mayonnaise, but yeah, if you did, that sounds good. I'm shocked you even mentioned it. Fennel slaw, cauliflower relish, things like Christini with really interesting spreads like carrot butter, walnuts, piave cheese, and honey, or white bean, warm radicchio, crisp bacon, and saba, which is like balsamic vinegar, or even ricotta, warm pear, and thyme. Like, those are delicious, Christini. You know, if you're making a lunch for people, that's not your just hummus spread and carrots. That's something a little bit different. And it's very vegetable forward, so it's really for everybody. It is. So I like the cookbook, but you're forewarned. It's cutesy. It's cutesy. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in today. You're welcome. And we've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. And now, time for Pure Beauty. Learn all about holistic skincare and health featuring chemical-free ingredients. Here's naturopathic doctor and co-founder of Pure and Simple Beauty and Wellness Centers, Dr. Kristen Ma. So far, it's been a lovely sunny summertime. However, with this, many of us become concerned about sun damage that can lead to dark spots and discoloration. But before we get into how to treat and prevent this, let's take a minute to talk about how dark spots come about. The cells that dictate skin color are called melanocytes. These cells create and push out pigment between the deeper layer of our skin, called the dermis, and our skin's superficial layer, called the epidermis. Creating pigment is done through the production of melanin in a process called melanogenesis. Melanogenesis is thought to increase with UV exposure as a means of protecting our skin cell's DNA. This is why we tan. And tanning, in fact, is a form of skin damage. So it's not about stopping melanogenesis, to prevent pigmented spots. It's about protecting our skin so our poor melanocytes don't have to do all the heavy lifting. But UV ray exposure is not all the same. UVA rays penetrate deeply, leading to signs of aging, 
and have an equal intensity during all sunlight hours. While UVB rays are more superficial, causing burning and redness, and are most significant from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., both increase the risk of skin cancer. To protect against this and sun damage, it's important to use sunblock with a high SPF. Along with this, take shade breaks, cover up with a hat, and wear lightweight garments. But what do we do when we already have sun damage? Well, bleaches and peels can be effective, but you also risk damage from these agents, and some of these ingredients carry their own health risks. Instead, start by healing your skin rather than peeling or bleaching it. Rosehip and sea buckthorn oils are a good place to start. They bolster skin protection, contain antioxidants, and nourishing fatty acids. In study, rosehip itself has been seen to inhibit melanogenesis. So, now armed with this info on sunspots and how they come about, I hope you can enjoy the outdoors with more confidence and less damage. This has been Pure Beauty with Dr. Kristen Ma. Learn more and ask questions about holistic beauty and their wellness centers through their Facebook page at pureandsimple.ca. This segment should not take the place of medical advice. Always talk to your healthcare provider about personal health concerns. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Rick Gilman, is a medical cannabis patient, consultant, and veteran freelance writer. He's involved in medical cannabis research and breeding projects, creating more effective medicine. He works for Canadian Cannabis Clinics as a medical outreach educator out of their Collingwood, Ontario clinic. Rick is also an engaging and entertaining writer. He wrote an excellent article in the June issue of Tonic, all about medical cannabis and our aging population. Welcome to the Tonic, Rick. Hi, Jamie. Glad to be here. So, you know, everybody and their uncle is reading about, you know, the legalization of marijuana, but we're going to focus on the medicinal aspects of it today, okay? Absolutely. So one of the key aspects of medical marijuana is the treatment of pain. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussion in the province regarding opioids. So let's start with cannabis and pain. What are the concerns that our aging population has? Well, the main concern is, you know, as a population, we have a a preponderance of people suffering from pain. It's the most uh, common condition that we do see at the clinic and probably most doctors as well, uh, family doctors. So the big problem is we have become a society that has become dependent on opioids, um, both figuratively and literally. Opioids are a very dangerous medicine. Canada had over 4,000 people fatally overdose on opioids last year, which, uh, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And it's not necessary because cannabis is a, a much safer, effective alternative. So what are the concerns with opioids? Let's just touch upon that for a moment. The first and foremost problem is they're highly addictive. So people can take them as prescribed by their doctor, and in a relatively short period of time, they're going to actually have an addiction. And once that occurs, the opioids stop being effective for their pain, and what they're dealing with is a situation of if they go off them, they're going to have withdrawal issues, and they're not getting uh, adequate relief for their pain. As I understand it, there's side effects too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole horrid bunch of side effects, and again, withdrawal may be one of the worst. 
you know, like anything, cannabis is a non-addictive substance. It's impossible to overdose on. So, you know, it's relatively safe compared to almost anything else on the market. Another aspect, I think, you know, we, we discussed this sort of earlier, and you wrote, you wrote about it in the article. For the elderly, you know, there's all sorts of pharmaceutical protocols. You know, if you're not taking something like marijuana, if you're taking something else like an opioid, there's a regime that you're sort of, you have to buy into, right? Our, our whole medical system is tied into this whole quick fix scenario. Unfortunately, not to get into this, but doctors do get kickbacks from, from pharmaceutical companies and the ones making opioids are the ones that are the biggest culprits of that. The main thing for me as someone who helps treat and get people well is quality of life. And the elderly are not getting the quality of life they deserve when they're taking opioids. It turns them into zombies. It turns, it gives them side effects, additional problems, and all of these things are avoidable and treatable with medical cannabis. And a lot of what we use is non-psychoactive. So, you know, grandma and grandpa don't have to worry about getting high because we can use CBD, which does not have the ability to get them high, but has the ability to get them well. Well, that's good. Now, I know in speaking with other people in the industry, there wasn't a ton of research that was going on with medical marijuana because obviously the politics of it was, you know, it wasn't legal, so we don't really need to look into it. But of course, course, you know, for many years, medical marijuana has been available. So there is some research. Why don't we start with some of the research about medical marijuana and pain? Well, a couple of things I do want to point out is, you know, we've been using this as a, a culture for 5,000 years. They found it sure. in, in the tombs in Egypt. And uh, it was written about by ancient Chinese people in, that dealt with herbal medicine uh, before Christ. So this is something we have been using. So we've been researching by using it. The other thing is, there has been research done outside of North America. Israel's been at the forefront. They've been researching this for 20 years, and Dr. Raphael is the one who's actually identified both THC and CBD as compounds. So they've got a wealth of research. Unfortunately, they don't share enough of it because they don't want it monetized by companies like Big Pharma, or for that matter, Big Canna. But there is a lot of research out there, and it all points to one thing, is this is helping people with a huge... Variety of different ailments, right? Exactly, conditions, right. So let's start with pain. What does the research say regarding pain in marijuana? Well, the research is showing it's it's an effective pain reliever to the extent that in the U.S., you know, um, recognized agencies that do research are recognizing and starting to look at it, you know, from that perspective. The irony is uh, the U.S. government has held a patent for about 25 conditions to use medical cannabis to treat since the 1980s, yet their official position is it has no medical benefit. So, so there's such a, a funny irony there that, you know, they say in one hand that it's, it can't help, but they hold the patent to use it for multiple sclerosis, for uh, Alzheimer's, for uh, a, whole, a whole host of conditions. Well, let, let's talk about some conditions then. What about anxiety? Well, I can tell you firsthand that I suffer from anxiety, and as a patient, it's done wonders for me. To the extent where not only can I have a day-to-day life that's normal like everybody else, but I can actually get up on a stage and speak in front of hundreds of people uh, for Canadian cannabis clinics uh, when I do presentations. Is there research that supports it, or is it more anecdotal? Well, there's research that supports it, but not enough for to satisfy the purists. I am, of course, biased because, first of all, as a patient, I know it's effective, and second of all, we literally treat thousands of people every year for things like this. And we look at the numbers that we see and the percentage of people that get improvement for conditions like that. PTSD, anxiety, depression are all things that we're seeing very, very strong correlation with success with medical cannabis. But you're speaking anecdotally now, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. But, I, I mean, when, when you deal with a thousand people and 800 get well, 
you can say that correlation is pretty strong. It's no different than when they do voting polls. And they say, you know, 19 times out of 20 within 3% kind of thing. Right. Here's the problem with any research is, is most research is biased or skewed because research has to be funded. So if it's big pharma funding the research, you're going to probably see a skew to one direction. And if it's big Canada funding the research, you're probably going to see a skew to the other direction. What we need is more university studies, unbiased studies. And that's going to happen in time. And I'm very confident they're going to show this, this exact thing, that this is uh, very effective for these conditions. I was at a medical convention that was put together by the uh, Consortium for uh, Cannabinoid Research uh, about a month ago. There's, I think, about 600 doctors there from all over the country. And uh, some of the worldwide uh, leading researchers were doing presentations. And there was uh, a couple on the elderly. They're finding it actually not only helps retain memory, but improves memory. So people, once they start it, are able to recall more of their past, more things that they'd forgotten, had better associations with things. So in other words, if a topic came up, they'd have more to say on it or to participate. So they're, they're finding that it's actually triggering better memory. Are, are we talking about long-term memory or short-term yeah, memory? long-term memory. Okay. See, now, I, you know, I'm, I'm not making any missions on the air, but my understanding of marijuana is it certainly you know, anecdotally doesn't help, you know, in general with memory. So I find that research surprising, but it's certainly heartening if it's true. Yeah. And I think it's, you're talking short-term memory and there's, yeah. you know, there's kind of a cliche about that. And, and, you know, there is some evidence towards that, but the good news is that any effect of short-term memory, it seems is situational. So in other words, if you stop using cannabis, you'll recover <laughs> any short-term memory that may be... Uh, well, that, that's good to know. You are out in the public and you're, you're treating people on the front lines. How can you tell if medical marijuana is correct for a given patient? Well, you know, we have to go on, like you said, research, but also what we see day-to-day. We've treated as a company, you know, I know it's well over 50,000 patients. Wow. So we've also undertaken uh, last year one of the largest research studies ever done by anyone anywhere about medical cannabis. And, you know, so we do see patterns with certain conditions, like certain types of strains or medicines or, you know, a THC or a CBD or combined regimen will effectively treat a certain condition. So that gives us a springboard or launching point to help get the patient going. There is a lot of tweaking. Cannabis is a very individualized medicine. So each patient has to be treated differently. And, and I, as a counselor, that's what my job is, is we start with our, our best launching place and then we, we proceed to tweak. We have the patient come back in three months, we see how the regimens work. And if parts of it are working and parts aren't, we have different strains. We have a lot of strains and strengths that we can call on. There's different forms, there's oils, there's capsules, there's the dried flour that can be vaped or made into edibles. So there's lots of different approaches. And there's pills out of Israel, right? There's actually pills here now. Um, a few of the licensed producers, Health Canada is slowly rolling out more and more options. So there are uh, capsules and soft gel pills available from some of the licensed producers currently in Canada for medical patients. And for those who don't know, you know, this isn't about getting high. This is about getting well, right? So you Absolutely. Know, to- you know, they're, they're, they've approved and they're legalizing recreational for a reason, which is just that, recreational getting high. More than half of what we prescribe is non-psychoactive. It's the CBD portion, which can't get you high. This is very effective for elderly patients, for younger patients. So through government protocols, Health Canada approves and guides us. We do treat some children with non-psychoactive cannabis called CBD that greatly reduces and in many cases puts seizures into remission. So there's a lot of misconception about what we do. And, you know, this is exactly like you said about people getting well. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming in today. That's all the time we have. You'll come back again and and talk more medical marijuana with us, won't you? Absolutely.
absolutely. And just last aside, we really don't like the word marijuana. It was created as a derogatory term to make people afraid of the plant. We do prefer cannabis, but unfortunately, we have to deal with what people understand. <laughs> All right. We'll have you back to talk about cannabis. Thanks so much, Jamie. And thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For articles written by Tracy Segrati, Naomi Bussin, and Rick Gilman, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll have an urban living roundtable. We'll discuss the natural treatment of sun exposure, the best wine pairings with plant-based foods, mental health issues for sex workers, and how a reverse mortgage can help you retire in the home you love. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.